Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Kara Ayla is an entrepreneur, real estate investor, mentor, and advocate for women wives, and moms. Kara has grown and sold multiple million-dollar businesses in the real estate, construction, HVAC, and property management industries. And as a real estate investor, since 2006, Kara has managed over 500 properties. Her experience in real estate has included project oversight, full remodels, bookkeeping, investor relations, and interior design work. Kara coaches women on how to be successful while at the same time having an amazing marriage and an incredible relationship with their children. As Kara says, you can do both. She has been married to the love of her life, Mike, for 22 years and is the mom of three amazing young adults, Dylan, Caton, and Tim. Kara believes that you can magnetize the wealth you desire without sacrificing your relationships. Her passion is to help others see that creating multiple streams of income provides more freedom to invest in what matters, the people in your life. She loves to share her own personal lessons as a wife, mom, and entrepreneur. She's a podcast host to Marriage, Money, and Mayhem, and the founder of Rain & Co. I know this is going to be a juicy conversation because Kara and I share so many of the same core values. Hello, hello, Super Expanders. Welcome back. So excited to share today's guest with you. I would love to introduce you to Kara Ayla. Did I say it right? We, we were just pre-discussing the, the, the phobia of saying names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last names are always tricky ones. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really just so excited and grateful that you are here. I always like to give everyone a little bit of context of how I know you, because I actually personally invite all of my guests on. I don't have a podcast booker. I feel like really strongly that I, the conversations that I have here on the super expander have to be ones that I'm really wanting to dive into. Not that I'm, you know, being pitched to, (laughs) to have someone on my podcast that I don't know. So I, basically stumbled across Kara on Instagram. I think Lindsay Schwartz was talking about this really cool thing, which I'm going to leave. I'm going to let her talk about it that she was starting. And I was like, Ooh, hold on this girl. This woman is right up my alley. I need to, to know her. I need to know more about this. And so I just slid right into her DMS and here we are having this cool conversation. (laughs) I love it. And that's my sale too. I love um, just connecting with people that I really connect with because I think the conversations are so much better that way. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we have a ton of mutual just like connections. So I was like, you know, I feel like there's some synergies here. So thank you so much for being here, for carving out the time to, to have this conversation. Absolutely. I'm super excited. Yeah. So, you know, we, we waste no time here on the super expander podcast. We go deep and I know we, we don't know each other that well, but we're about to, cause I'd love for you to share who you are deep down in your soul. Who is Kara? Mm, I actually love this question so much. You kind of mentioned it. And, um, I love these kind of conversations and these kind of questions more than, you know, what do you do? <laughs> because, really, it doesn't matter what you do. Those are just vehicles that we use um, to expand who we are. And so I think, you know, that question, it it brings up a lot. Um, I think who I am at my core is somebody who is a cheerleader for others. Um, I feel like I see the best in people and can draw out um, gifts inside of people. I think I'm a nurturer at my core. Um, I, I've been a really awesome mom. That's like one thing that I'm like, I am like a badass mom. Hopefully I can cuss on here. <laughs> Um, yeah, you totally can. <laughs> but um, I think that that is something that is just like in my core, the nurturing piece of me. And I also carry that out into the people that I'm in community with, with relationships and business and every part of my life. I'm just, I, I think I'm a, a nurturer and I believe that we can all have um, the life that we desire if we just seek after what it is we truly desire and kind of like let go of all the things that have put, been put on us by society. Oh, yeah. Love that. Cause there is, I mean, I think that the whole idea of stepping into the life that we want really is primarily an unbecoming, right? We have to let go of all of the things that have been, you know, shaped us to that point. Right. And kind of get back to who we were when we were born, who we are deep down inside. It was, I love that, but that's the way that you, you view it as well. Yeah, so it's like a remembering almost of who we came here to be. I, and I also love that the bit like your the celebration of being a badass mom and just like owning that because there's things that we carry around as 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 mothers sometimes it's guilt and it's it's hard to step into just owning that raising children is not easy but it's one of the most rewarding things that you can possibly do and our greatest contribution to society <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And you you know, you're so right. Like there is so much guilt, um, that can come with motherhood, but, and obviously I'm not a perfect mom. My kids could tell you all the things I've done wrong, but I think, you know, I think owning that you are a good mom and like pouring into them the and pulling out, like, that's really what it is. It's your, they've been like put in your world for just a season. Right. I mean, they're in your world, your whole life, but you have a certain amount of time with them to really just instill into them who who they want to be in this world and like pull out their gifts and cultivate them. And I just think it's the greatest honor that we are ever given. Yeah. So how old are your kids? Um, I have a 22 year old, a 20 year old and an 18 year old. Amazing. I, I have a 23 year old. So we're kind of in the, the same age realm of kids. And isn't it the truth that even at that point you're there, they're in your world, even at that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I always say they should write books more about parenting adult children than like toddlers or teenagers. Like that's when we really need the books of parenting an adult child. Cause you're like in their world, but you're like kind of out of their world. So it's, it's very, very, it's kind of like a fine line that you're walking during that period. It really, really is. I'm I'm finding out 
that all about that every single day. <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it is, it's like, it's kind of crazy. The whole, the, when you get kids at the, and they're at that age, which I feel like kind of starts to segue into talking a little bit about what you do, because they're, they're still pretty expensive <laughs> at that age, right? Because they're kind of stepping into their own and they're starting to earn money for themselves, but somehow the money that they earn for themselves at that age, isn't actually the money that they think they should be spending on like life things. Yeah. They, they want you to still be in charge. <laughs> yeah. You're like, can you pay the rent? Can you pay the car payment? Can you play the phone bill? Cause I'm going to start taking vacations and buying a really amazing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you're a nurturer, you're a great mom which I think inside of like, it really moves into what it is that you do and how that connects to women and a core value that you essentially mentioned in who you are deep down, which is that you really truly believe that we get to have a life that we desire as long as you're willing to strip away the things that need to be stripped away. So you have a ton of experience in real estate and, and building wealth, but you're a champion for building wealth for women. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I always like to talk about this because in the beginning, I was, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't raised in an entrepreneurial family. I wasn't raised in a family that invested. And so that's why I love to just talk about like, just because you were born into something doesn't mean you have to finish your life that way. Um, and so, you know, it's easy to look at people and what they're doing and be like, oh, well, that's because they were raised this way, or they were born with money or, you know, they have this special gift. Um, and I'm here to tell you that you, it's not a special gift. It's really just um, seeking out that lifestyle. And I think one of the biggest things is my husband and I, when we first, um, you know, we, we're, our biggest vision was that we were really present parents. We were, which kind of comes back to who I am at my core. Um, and we wanted to spend time with our kids and make sure we were there for all the, the big events in their life. And so during that season, um, you know, I, I worked at a doctor's office and he was a plumber. And so rewinding back to that, like, that wasn't like, we could have done well with that, but it wasn't life-changing money, but we started to shift our perspective because he was working out of town for the entire nine months of my third pregnancy. And so I was basically a single mom and we just kind of looked at each other and thought, what are we doing? This is not what we signed up for. This isn't the the plan that we had. And so we might as well do this for ourselves. And that's when I really started shifting my mindset around what it meant to actually create that wealth and um, to start investing. Mm. I feel like that's, it, that's a running theme amongst a lot of people who have started, you know, building big wealth is that moment of, wait, hold on. I didn't sign up to have a job, work for, for someone else. And then, you know, clock in, clock out for the next, you know, 40 years of my life to finally have my kids grown and then be barely, you know, like pretty much too old to really, really start enjoying life when you finally have enough money and time to be able to do so. So really changing the narrative on how the life that we get to live, we have one life and you don't actually have to enroll in the idea that the conventional way of doing things is the best way of doing things. Yeah. It's, it's a questioning of, of what it is you truly desire. 
Um, what is the lifestyle you truly desire? Because sometimes we think we need a certain amount of money, even like, you know, I think that I need $5 million to survive or to live the life of my dreams. But when you really break it down and really paint the picture of what does that vision look like for me, maybe it's not even that much. Maybe it's 600,000 that I need a year, but because we automatically go to that 5 million, 6 million, we go to those big numbers. It seems impossible to even get to there. So really painting that vision of what is the lifestyle that we truly want and then questioning and then giving yourself permission along the way. Because I mean, when we started out, we had visions, but they've changed, right? So as you're growing, like giving yourself permission to let go of things that no longer serve you or change your perspective and, and reevaluate and arrange your life according to that. Oh, love that. So I feel like before we really get into your journey of how it is that, that, that all like transpired to get you to where you are today. I feel like I want to ask this like myth, bust, myth busting question of, so you, you were working in a doctor's office and your husband was a plumber. So you start talking about annual incomes on that. So the first thing I hear from that is because you've achieved a, a you know, a certain place where you are now, which is building wealth, right? Amassed a, a certain amount of wealth and you're educating people on that. So, but what I'm also hearing is at a certain time, your income wasn't necessarily pulling in millions of dollars. Cause a lot of people can really start to think that to be an investor, to build wealth, right? You have to have a huge income. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like we didn't have anything. I mean, we, when we first started our business, which was a plumbing and HVAC, HVAC business, because my husband was a plumber and that's when we were like, let's do this for ourselves. When we started that, um, we started it with a partner who had, I think they had $70,000 in their 401k. So we kind of borrowed that money from them. It wasn't even our money, um, but we were, we grew quickly. But when we set up our salary to start from there, our partners were like, let's each make $70,000. And we were like over the moon, so excited about $70,000, which $70,000 is, is great money. But I just want to, like, we were probably making between 20 and 40,000 before that. And so the progression of how that happened. And I think, you know, it is a myth, but it is a myth that you have to have money to, in order to start investing, but it is like, you have to start envisioning something bigger, um, whether that's starting your own business, a side hustle, whatever that is, like there has to be something that you're setting aside for that. And so in that process, we started, um, after we had, we were making our $70,000 a year that we were bringing home, our business started making money. And that's when we kind of started shifting into making our money work for us. Cause we were still in a place where, you know, we, we had to show up every day, right. Because of our business. So it's, it's definitely like a progression of just taking the next right step and it leads to the next thing. Oh yeah. The next right step. I like that. So anybody listening that's in this, this phase right now, what do you, what is the, the next right step? If you're just kind of struggling and scraping together in order to make ends meet. Um, so my, my first thing would be to sit down and take some space because I don't think it's, um, talked about enough of like, take, take, like pulling back because we are usually like in the middle in the muck of everything that's happening in our lives, right? We're barely making our rent. We're barely making any money. We hate our jobs. So we're in that. So I always say like, take some time and pull away, try to pull away from that. Um, whether it's on a weekend or maybe you have a day off and get a journal. 
and start dreaming because everything is going to start from that mindset of like, what would it look like if I could live my dream life? Um, and maybe it's, you know, I wouldn't start with like money, like, but what does your lifestyle look like? How do you spend your days? How are you, who, who's in your life? What are the relationships you're surrounding yourself with? Because without the vision painted first, you can't start moving towards that direction. And sometimes it's what I don't want. Sometimes we have to start with that. Like, well, I know I don't want to work 60 hours a week, right? So what is possible and how do I, how do I create options of what is possible? Because there's a ton of ways to make money, but we've been sold a lie that like all the ways to make money are to go to school and become a doctor or a lawyer, right? Like that's ingrained in us, but there's so many ways to make money. So how do we shift out of what is possible from that to what is possible from that place of, well, this is just the life that I have and I'm designed for. You have to step away from it and start envisioning the life that you really, truly want. Yeah. Ah, so good. So I feel like part of that, you know, kind of a little bit goes into this whole, like generating the emotion and the feeling ahead of the event. But I feel like a critical piece there too, is being so connected to that feeling that you're able to make the sacrifices that you need to make early on in order to grow that. Because it's like when you already know that you're moving towards a place where you're not going to have to work 60 hours a week, that you're really moving towards a place where you're going to be able to work 20 hours a week, it starts to be a lot easier to say, no, I'm not going to have that Starbucks coffee. I know Mm -hmm. if I'm going to make that choice every single day, that that's going to get me to the place where I only have to work 20 hours a week so much faster. But when you're not connected to that vision, it's just like kind of like an effort. Who cares? I want the Starbucks. I'm in that moment. I'm going to live in that moment, not the future moment that I'm moving towards. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I think um, if you're in that place, I think lifestyle, your lifestyle expenses can make the biggest impact. Like you're saying, like coffee, even your rent or things that you're spending purses, bags, you know, trying to keep up with society of what they say success looks like when really true success is being able to take off as many days as you want without losing your income. Right. So um, redefining that piece of it, but you're so right of, you know, what is the lifestyle? What are these lifestyle choices that I'm making every day? And I don't, I don't really like to talk about like the scarcity piece of it. Like if you didn't drink a Starbucks coffee for the next, you'd be a millionaire, right? Like that will take a long time, but if you can get your spending under control and really decide what you want, and like you're saying, make those sacrifices and the action steps that, you know, you're going to have to take, because it does, it takes some sacrifice to actually cross over that barrier. You're stepping into unknown territory, stepping into a new person. So it's going to be scary. You're going to have to make some sacrifices, but the action piece is so huge because, you know, we could have just said, oh, well, that would be awesome if we could start this business. No, we had to actually make that move and take the risk to actually start that business. And we didn't know if it was going to work out, right? Like it's, you have to bet on yourself and the skills and the action steps you're taking. So it starts with the feeling. And then it's really those action pieces of like, let's actually do this and take the steps towards where we're going. Yeah. It's like front, it's front loading the discomfort, right? When you, when we choose discomfort early, then we get to have the easier life later. And that's a much better order of events. It really is. Yes. So let's talk about, you know, you, you guys made, made the leap and you started a business or were, you know, with a partner for yourself, what does the journey look like from there? So after we started our business and I don't know, I don't know if your listeners are mainly entrepreneurs or 
if they are W-2 employees, like, I don't know what they are. It doesn't really matter. But what we had done is left our employee position to open our own business and quickly realized that we had bought ourselves a job. Um, and I think that this is another thing because entrepreneurship is so glamorized today too. And really we had, you know, we had more responsibility. We had employees to take care of. We had vendors to pay. Like we had, and our time was really being put into this. And we hired a coach immediately when we first opened because we didn't know what we were doing. We were young. We were like, we don't know what we're doing. We didn't go to college for anything. And so we hired a coach and he started asking us questions. And one of the questions that they asked us was, um, if, if your business is not providing you the lifestyle that you desire, then you just own a job. So that's where that thought came in. And then we started thinking, well, what does it look like if we don't have to be tied to this job. So we had to start rearranging our business, even like hiring people to take over some of the roles, like giving, delegating more so that everything wasn't just on us, right? Becoming more of that big business owner rather than just self-employed. So we had to start expanding ourselves. And I think that this is the evolution um, when you're growing is like expanding yourself into the the person who can delegate and let go of things, you know, usually when you start a business, it's your baby and you don't want to let go of things. But if you really want to grow and go to that next level, you have to start delegating. So we started doing things like that, but then we started thinking, okay, if we want to retire, so we were still in the thought process of when we're 60, right? Cause that's what you're told is you get a job and you work really hard and you retire when you're 60. So we were still in that mindset. And so we started thinking, what are we going to do when we do retire when we're 60? We don't have a retirement. We have this business. We don't have 401ks. We don't have, you know, the traditional retirement funds. So what we did is we had known some people who were investing in real estate. And so we, th we thought if we bought two income producing properties a year, single family homes, um, that we could rent out, then by the time we were retired, they'd be paid off and we could retire off of them. So if we did that for the next 10 years, we'd have 20 pretty good. Like it could replace what we were making then. So th that was our thought, but as we started doing that, it, you know, you know, this, once you put something out there that you want to do, they, you, all these deals started coming and doors started opening everywhere because we were looking for them because our eyes were open to that opportunity. So there's the lesson in that of once you decide you're going to do something, be prepared for opportunities to start presenting themselves um, because that's what happened to us. And so the first year we did it, we bought two income producing single family homes. And then the second year we bought our first mobile home park, which was a 70 space um, mobile home park and really just took us to a different level once we did that, because, you know, we had these two homes, but then now we were going to 70, you know, overnight, pretty much 70 other tenants that we had. And so, and we ended up buying lots of different properties. I think we had over 200 of our personal properties. Um, so we just invested what we were making. We used our money we were making to invest. We were putting our money to work for us. Um, we ended up selling our plumbing and HVAC company. And now we're in full-time real estate um, investing. We have a private equity company and invest in primarily mobile home parks now. Um, so that's kind of how we started learning how to invest and what, what the thought process was when we started moving into that direction. Wow. So I'm imagining people are listening and they're like, what, when you're start buying 
properties and you're investing your own money, I feel like that a lot of people might think that you have to have a lot of liquid cash in order to do that. Mm, I love this question because we actually bought our first property. So this is another thing. So we, we decided we were going to do it, made the decision and started talking about it to people like we're going to buy some in, some rental properties. So we had a friend who had a home that they had as a rental and they weren't liking it. And they came to us and they said, we're actually selling this. You can take over payments. Just give us $5,000 cash. Oh, wow. Done. Done. Right. So almost every one of our deals has been like that. So I think a lot of times people think you have to come in with traditional financing. Most of the time you can off, you can, they will carry the paperwork for you. So you can do buyer, like they're going to just carry it for you. They just maybe want some, some cash down, like 5,000 could be more than that. It depends on, on the situation. Even our mobile home park, we didn't have, it was, my husband, and I always talk about there's the three D's there's divorce, the don't, don't want them and death. Okay. So there's always opportunities, even in this economy. I know there's a lot of people like, Oh, now is not a good time to buy real estate. I'm telling you, there are deals out there. If you're going to look for them. Um, and those are the three primary ways that you're going to get them. Somebody who just doesn't want them anymore. They're like, they're tired. They don't want to have a rental. That was our first one, right? She just didn't want it anymore. Um, death, somebody dies and the kids inherit all these properties and they don't want to deal with them. That's not something that they had planned on doing. So that's a, that's an, a, an opportunity for you to be able to come in and get a deal with that. And you're also also helping them. So when we say this, some people are like, well, you're kind of taking advantage of people in their situations, but really it's like a win-win because you're taking the properties off of their hand because they actually don't want them or divorce too. If somebody's getting a divorce, they usually want to be able to separate quickly, right? So you're actually helping them in that too. Um, but with the even with the mobile home park, she was just in trouble financially and she needed to get rid of it quickly. She needed 70, she wanted 70,000 down. And, and the man that she had a loan with was willing to carry it with us. So we went to a mentor of ours and showed him the deal. We had never invested in something like a mobile home park. And I, this is like, not the cute homes that you guys see. Like, it's not like those little cute homes, like tiny homes. It's, it's not like that. It's like M&M style, like mobile home parks, like need some work, need some turnaround. And we had been doing work in this park. So we, we were familiar with it, which is why she kind of offered it to us with our company, the um, HVAC and plumbing company. And so when we were doing that, she offered, um, or she offered the, the sale to us. So we went to our mentor and we're like, look at this deal. What do you think? And he was like, you're lucky you're my friend, or I would steal this from you because it was just such a great deal. So we borrowed the 70,000 down from him, private money. We literally put none of our own money down on that property. So there are so many ways um, to be creative in your financing. You just have to start thinking outside of the box and getting around people who are already doing that and learning from people doing that. I have a question for you. Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary 
life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. So many juicy nuggets you just shared there. It was like a wealth of wisdom. I feel like if you are listening, you might want to stop, go back and re-listen to all of that. And I think the biggest thing that as I was listening to you is that I think that we can get a little stuck in our ego about certain things when you're talking about, it's like, oh, it's kind of this like trailer park situation. Um, and it's, you know, it, it doesn't have to be like the most beautiful thing that's earning you money I mean, in the end. Like, do you care? I actually remember growing up, I was in, in high school and I have friends, parents, they owned a Portageon company and they were one of the wealthiest families that we, that I knew. But when you, you would say like, oh yeah, we own a Portageon company. It is certainly not something that you feel like, I think, super proud, but she had a brand new uh, Mercedes. I'm pretty sure, which was, she was like the coolest kid in town because she had a convertible Mercedes when she turned 16. So I was like, I think that's pretty glamorous. Even if it's porta potties that are paying, paying the bill there. Right. Yes. And I love that you brought that up because most of the things that do make, I mean, we were plumbers, not very sexy. Mobile home parks is mostly what we invest in now. Also not very sexy, but what is sexy is the cash flow that they bring in, which is kind of what you were saying is like, that's the sexy part. And I think we've kind of been sold a lie of like, do whatever, you know, like um, if you are passionate about what you, when you work your work, you love what you do, then you never have to work a day in your life. But sometimes the money isn't in your passion. So find opportunities for you to make money so that you can go do your passion. Mm. So someone who is searching and scouring for opportunities, do you have a tip or two that might help someone, I don't know, open up their eyes into ways and places that they might be able to seek those out? Yeah. I think the first thing is really getting financial education. You don't want to just go buy the first property because you you want to educate yourself a little bit in that, first of all. So what we did is we started listening to this is how I'm aging myself. We listen to tapes on, you know, books on tape, <laughs> like not even the CDs, the tapes, um, and really just educating ourselves and learning before we actually started buying. Um, so I think that that is the first step is just start financially educating yourself. There's so much re free resources out there on YouTube and podcasts that you can listen to. Um, some of my favorite books just regarding finances is Richest Man in Babylon. Have you heard of that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's one of my favorites kind of spoken. It's written like a fable. So it's kind of, but it's, we listen to it at least once a year. Um, there, the principles in it are just so good. Um, and they just really ingrained down to what it means to really create wealth. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, his books always, always recommend because they're simple, not really simple to execute on, but they're simple to understand for anybody and gives you a really good um, basis for education of how the, the economy is and how you can get ahead of it, how you can um, take advantage of tax benefits and things like that. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I would definitely recommend. Um, and then there's a podcast called Get Rich Education. Um, that one is really, really awesome. He's a great teacher. 
uh, you'll learn a lot. So I think that that would be the first place that I would start. And then there's usually investment clubs you can you can join um, to learn more in your city. There's local ones. Um, I have a women's one, but there's, I think just like getting in communities where people are doing what you want, hiring coaches, joining, you know, taking courses. I think that's the best place to start because you really need that financial education to build the confidence to make the right decisions. Yes. So many, so many good little, little nuggets there. So along this journey, I know you had a mentor, but there had to have been some people that have really expanded you in to really stepping into that big vision to knowing that that wealth was possible for you on a big scale. So w- w- tell me a super expander story, if you will. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've had so many super expanders. We wouldn't even be where we are today without super expanders. So I am always so grateful for people who've I always say like throw down the ladder. They've thrown down the ladder back down to others. And I think that's just, it's something that we should continually do um, as we grow, no matter where you're at, there's somebody you can help and there's somebody who can help you. Um, so uh, like, if I even just think about some of these people, I almost like get emotional because they just have expanded me so much. But I think, you know, the first person who comes to mind that really has expanded me is Kayla Craft, um, And she's a more recent one. So Hers, um, I joined her mastermind and she just expanded me of who I am as an individual. So I was really good at like, you know, our business and, you know, we had been making money, but I wasn't empowered in the person that I was um, as an individual. So when we're talking about like, who are you, Kara? Like I could tell you like what we did and what our business did, but I wasn't really clear on who I was as an individual and the people that I could impact. And so she has really expanded I feel like she just poured belief into me and mirrored back to me who I was. And I think it's so important that you do get those mentors. And when you have that feeling of, I know I need to like connect with this person, or I know I need to work with this person. It's there for a reason and don't ignore it because there's never been a mentor that I've worked with that I didn't have that really, really strong draw to and kind of didn't know, really know why, like, I don't know why I'm supposed to work with you, but I'm supposed to work with you. Um, that I haven't just my whole world flipped upside down. Ah, chills on all of that full body chills, which means you're speaking my language. (laughs) My intuition is going off like crazy. (laughs) So I love that you said that if you get that nudge, you got it for a reason. And if that means like, Sometimes you have to nurture those relationships. It might be uh, not in the cards at that particular moment. But I also think something that I heard inside of there too is, is you should still start the conversation, right? Because just because you might not be able to hire that person as a coach yet, there's still probably tons of ways that you can learn from them and probably expedite getting you to the place where you can actually hire them to, to be a mentor, to be a coach for you. Yes. And I think, you know, most people that I know love to give, they love to give back. They love to help. I can't even tell you how many people have DM'd me and I've given them advice or we've had back and forth conversations or people that have done my, my photos that I end up having like really great, almost mentoring relationships with them just because they're curious and ask questions. So I'm always in like the camp of like, ask questions, like see how you can add value, see how you can just be in the room with them. Um, if you can't afford, um, to hire them, 
if they have an event, can you go and help at that event? Like there's so many ways to get into a room with somebody. Um, Jesse Itzler is probably my favorite example of how he does this. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of him and how he would go into coffee shops um, or a hotel, I think in Beverly Hills, and he would order water because he couldn't afford anything more than water just to be in the room with people he wanted to eventually do business with. Ah, that's such a good story. I think there's a lot of stories like that too. Um, trying to think of her name. Um, she wrote the book, Rich as Fuck. Um, Her, her name is like evading me right now. It'll come to me. I guess can't believe I can't remember it, but she used to go and sit in hotels and in like Beverly Hills. And she, she would go not sit in hotels, go to the pool, I guess, because this was the life she wanted. So she would kind of like walk in dressed up like she was a patron of the hotel and like walk back to the pool and kind of like essentially sneak in and just like sit in this space of luxury that she knew that she wanted to, this was a life she wanted to have. And she would be around people. And all of a sudden opportunities started opening up for her because she was having these conversations. Yes. I love that so much. And it's, it's, I think most people who really do something, they're not waiting for permission. They're actually like breaking rules, like sneaking into somewhere, like, like they're breaking the rules. So don't be scared to like break the rules and like sneak around. Right. Like, I don't mean like, <laughs> like sneak around to the back pool, like break the rules a little bit, like people who push the envelope and, and put themselves in those spaces are the people who really make, make that impact. Yes, absolutely. I always say like, there's the rules are meant for everybody else, not for me. So <laughs> I love that you're giving that recommendation because, you know, it's a push. It is true. Pushing the envelope, the squeaky wheel, whatever you, however you want to look at it. But the person who doesn't take no for an answer at first face value is the person who gets it done. And if, if you want to build wealth, you want to create opportunities that really has to be that sort of scrappy, gritty what am I willing? Like, how bad do I want this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such goodness. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this podcast myself, like at least four times to get all of the, the wisdom. I'm going to be taking notes <laughs> throughout the entire process though. The, it's been quite, quite a journey. You just recently, you, you mentioned it, um, launched a, an investment group for women. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that with the listeners. So whether you're listening and this is something that's an opportunity, you could jump in right now, or it's something you aspire to that, you know, it's always something to put on your vision board. Yeah. Um, so it's something I actually was desiring myself. Um, so I kind of created it, um, for myself, but for others as well, but it was something that I really wanted in my life. I wanted a community of women who were wanting to grow their wealth, but also expand in their relationships and community with other women also wanting to grow their wealth legacy. And, um, so it's called rain and co it's for female investors. Um, and it's for accredited investors and what accredited investor means is just for those of you who don't know, you could be an accredited investor and not even know it because of the term, which is another reason why I created this because there's so many words out there or terms that just intimidate you. Um, when you were talking finances, I don't know about you, but for years I was intimidated to even have conversations because there's all these terms and big words and you just feel like a, a small person in the room. And so I wanted to demystify that and just build the confidence in women to be able to have, you know, know what these terms are and, and be able to understand what it is. So an accredited investor is somebody who makes 200,000 a year as an individual for the past two years and expects that to continue on. 
or 300,000 with their partner or has 1 million in net worth, um, not including their primary home. Um, I don't want this to be a discouragement if you are not quite there, because I honestly think that should be everyone's goal is to become an accredited investor. And the reason why is because accredited investors are presented with more opportunities because of the way that the law is. If you're taking private money, if you're investing with somebody who says, say, um, invests in apartment complexes and they have the operating team and you just really want to invest passively, those opportunities are usually only available to um, accredited investors. And it's really pr to protect people from, you know, being taken advantage of and not having the education. So that's the reason um, for the parameters. But if you are an accredited investor, um, and even if you're not, I just want you to like set that as your goal of something that you aspire to, like you said, put it on your vision board and set it as a goal of something that you're going to walk into because that's where the opportunities really lie for the more passive investing. Now, when we started out, we were not accredited investors. So I don't want to discourage anybody from that piece, but the, the, passive piece of it where, you know, we were managing our own properties in the beginning, right? We were the managers. Now we're, when you become an accredited investor, you're able to invest with somebody else and they're the professionals. They're the ones handling um, the calls in the middle of the night or all of those issues. And you're just getting actual checks in the mail. So that's kind of the benefit of being an accredited investor. Um, within the group, the community, it has kind of three components. It's a community for women to have those authentic relationships with other women aspiring to build the wealth, like I, like I said before, and then we're going to bring in, um, really financial education. So things, all different kinds of asset classes, um, there's apartments, there's Airbnbs. I mean, there's so many different ways. So we're going to bring in all kinds of experts in all of those fields just to educate more and really build um, into the women what their investment philosophy is. Because, because there are so many different ways, it's easy to kind of be like, you know, you're looking in all the different directions and get that shiny object syndrome. So we're really like um, fostering the place for them to really tap into their why what we've been talking about, that vision of what is it I truly want. And then when these opportunities come, they're able to identify if that one is for them or if maybe it's something they're going to pass on because it doesn't really line up with their investment philosophy. Um, we're going to bring in people around money mindset and health, all of the things as a, uh, we want to really touch the holistic person, not just the wealth. We will lead with wealth, but we want to be, you know, we got to work on our health too and, and who we are and who we came here to be and our passions as well. And then the investment opportunities will have investment opportunities in there as well. Well, I mean, health is in wealth. So that is, it's, it's an integral piece of it. It's built into the, the word because you can't have true wealth if you do not have your health, right? You, you really can't. No, nope. it's like the most important thing. Absolutely. 100%. My goodness, so many amazing things. I'm so excited for this that for this venture of yours because I feel like I mean it's, it's on my website is that wealth in the hands of women I believe will will change the world because it has been something that's just been needing to happen is women having equal pay and so many different things and this is the like one of the not one of the first, but like an important piece because you really have to be well-educated. You can't turn your power over financially to someone else and, you know, actually be truly wealthy either. You have to be informed and educated and in the know to have the full power and really live in it. Yes, absolutely. And that's like really the vision is just building that confidence. And you're so right with the, the division. And I know we've came a long way, but like the 1980s, 
early 1980s, if a woman wanted a business account, she had to have a man, her husband, her brother, her uncle sign on the account, which that's just so ridiculous to me. Like that, that was not very long ago. Um, so yeah, it's been a man's world. 3% of female real estate investors are female. Like that's insane. There should be way more women in the room. And I've just been in so many rooms where like there's five of us in the room and uh, women, you're right. Women, wealth in the hands of women, we're going to make such, such an impact with it. And the vision is going to be so much bigger. Yes. Yes. I'm here for it all. Totally. So one last golden nugget of wisdom. I know that there's been so many, but do you have any left? Is there any, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like you shared so much. <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, I think if I could tell somebody anything, if it was like my last words, it would be really to question, question the life you're living. I think we're taught to just like play by the rules. So start questioning the life that you're living, start really digging into what you truly want, because anything really is possible, but we have to really remove those things that are holding us back and, and decide if that's something we want to believe and decide if that's the life that we want to live, because it's going to continue the same. And most people will die with the beliefs that they had. And you know, this, that's a zinger right there. It is so true. From the time they're one and seven, they'll die with those beliefs unless we start questioning them and unraveling them and deciding, taking control of our lives and really deciding for ourselves. So this is your permission slip to really design the life of your dreams. Uh, question everything to design the life of your dreams. I might, might th- I think I might make that like a sticky note and put it right on, on my mirror. I leave myself little love notes. And I think that might be one I leave up for a bit. Uh, I love that. So everyone listening, I know they are just dying to get into your world. So what is the best way for them to find you to like share it all? Yeah, probably Instagram. I hang out there a lot and I'm in my DMs. So DM me. I'm, I, I answer all of my DMs. Um, I I'm excited to connect there. So it's Kara underscore Ayala. That's probably the best way to connect with me. Amazing. And of course, that'll be in the show notes for ease for everyone to come over and be sure to follow her, say hello, you know, start to nurture that relationship. She has so many great tips in on her account. I was actually just stop, like restocking it right before we hopped on this podcast. And I was like, man, so many words of wisdom. So go and follow. And thank you so much. I very much appreciate just taking the time, the just open sharing of everything that you shared with the audience with me. I know I learned a lot today. So much, much gratitude for you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been truly an honor. Thank you. And I will catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.